we're still seeing a little bit of a gap, you know, between pricing, you know, in terms of what a seller expects to get versus what a buyer is expecting to pay. There's still a little bit of a gap, but I think that gap is decreasing as time goes on. You know, a lot of the sellers are starting to realize that, you know, the pricing I was, I could have gotten in 2021 is not reality anymore. So I need to reset my expectation and, you know, take into account the current environment and the current risk that, you know, buyers can take on. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here today with the one and only Juan Vargas. I say one and only in my world, at least. I'm sure, I'm sure there's thousands more Juans out there where you come from, but it's it's a pleasure to have you. It's so great to finally have you on the show. Hey, it's appreciate the excitement, man. It's you know, I love the the intro. It's awesome. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, there's probably a million Juan Vargas's out there, but you know, I'm the one that has like the Juan Vargas on, on Instagram or on Twitter. So, so I guess I'm the, I'm just joking. There you uh, go. But, but excited, excited to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. And in the multifamily investing space, you are, like I said, the one and only. So it's a pleasure to finally have you in the show. Guys, if you aren't familiar yet with Juan, he is the founder of Gen Wealth Capital Group. So they're a multifamily investment company based in Texas, right? Based in Houston. And you have investments throughout the South South and Southeast, Southwest, I guess, including Arizona and Georgia, Texas, all the good places where everyone invests, right? So in short, he's been making moves and I'm excited just to you know have a conversation about how you got to where you were. I think I first came across you years and years ago when I think you were on a podcast also, perhaps you were a guest on, and I'm blanking on which podcast that was, but this was like going back like four years or so. Maybe it was Adam Adams podcast or Michael Blanc, one of those out there. And mm-hmm. just incredible story, how you really started, you know, your first deal. And a lot of people think, how am I going to get into my first deal? And really like, it's the law of the first deal. Right. And then once that happens, it just goes from there. You're right. Yeah. You have to just kind of break that barrier. Right. And it could be challenging. You know, there's multiple ways and it could be challenging, but you know, the law of the first deal, you know, you're so right on that. And, you know, once you kind of get over that, that hump, break that barrier, then, you know, things do tend to get easier, right. You gain more confidence, you know, you're in the know. And so things, you know, start to fit like a puzzle after that. So what was that first deal of yours? That was the law. I mean, for those listeners who aren't familiar with this kind of phrase, the law of the first deal, basically is it's really hard, sometimes challenging, and sometimes can take a long time until you actually do your first real estate deal. But then once you do that first deal, the next deals come much faster right after. So that's kind of the law of the first deal. Once you get it done, you know, the ball starts rolling it, like a snowball and catches up to you. So let's go back. Let's rewind, if you will, back to where you were before you found that first deal and then and then how you got involved. Yeah. So I was working full time. I was dabbled a little bit in, in single family rentals. And, you know, luckily, and I say luckily now, but, you know, I didn't feel so lucky at that time. But luckily for me, you know, one of my single family rental, you know, the tenant was a good tenant, but he ended up moving out. And so we we struggled to, to get a lease for whatever reason, you know, we marketed it, you know, we thought we did the best that we could, but it still was vacant for a little bit. And during that time, you know, we were the ones that had to pay for everything, right? So 
then I quickly realized, you know what, it's my fault for relying on one person, you know, for rent. And, mm-hmm. you know, I should have known. And so that, that's, that was the light bulb for me. That's all it took. And shortly after that, I reached out to owners directly. And my first deal was a 32 unit just outside of my hometown. And from there, you know, was able to learn a ton and really, you know, grow from that point. Right. So, but yeah, it was a 32 unit value add. It was owned by my pop, you know, your classic, you know, reno, you know, low rents, you know, that type of deal. Right. And so it was a good first investment. It was a good first deal. And, you know, that really was the the turning point for me and to uh, get into larger deals. How did you, how did you end up finding that deal on that first 32 unit? And did you do it on your own or was it with partners at the time? Yeah. So I tried doing it on my own, but at that point, you know, I didn't have enough resources. So I ended up bringing in another partner. So we, we did 50, 50. And so, you know, I did have a partner. He was a general contractor. And so mm-hmm. he was actually the one that did, you know, all the renovations and improvements. And, and so it, it was actually a good partnership. You know, he tried to save as much as possible. And, sure. and obviously you would know that he's going to try to do the best kind of quality work as well. And, you know, I was more in charge of operations and, and management and number side. But, you know, we found that through direct mail. And, you know, after I failed to get anything through brokers, and that was because of, you know, I didn't have, you know, prior experience in multifamily, you know, I just started to reach out to owners directly, either through phone calls, you know, old school, you know, just picking up the phone or through direct mail. And that was just simply what I mean by that, just writing letters, like handwritten letters and signing it and, you know, send them off, you know. Oh. And, you know, that's, you know, I got a, a bunch of response and, you know, so it works actually, you know, at the end of the year, you know, closed on, on another smaller deal. And that was through, you know, direct mail. And so wow. it, it works, right. And, and these are personal deals, you know, for the family, but, you know, just wanted people to know out there that, you know, if you're struggling to, to, to find, you know, a larger deal, maybe set up for a smaller one, that yeah. smaller one, you know, made, made us just as much money as some of these larger deals. Right. So don't be afraid of the small ones, right? You know, because you can really, you know, especially if it's a like an ownership that, you know, it's mom and pop and, you know, they really have not been up to date with the property. Right. You know, those are the ones that you want to go out there. But, but yeah, that was the first deal. Yeah. So, I mean, relatively speaking, a smaller deal because, you know, 32 units for some people is like, whoa, that's huge. You know, how could I take down a 32 unit property? But at the same time, when you're dealing with, you know, 100, 200 plus unit apartment complex, there's also a lot more competition. You know, you're dealing with large, you know, companies, large institutional players who are looking at those larger deals. And oftentimes, almost always, you won't be able to find a deal like that except through a broker. Most of those are, you know, the brokers are, are trying to find every single property out there. And that's a good point, you know, and one of the reasons why I was able to define this deal and, and actually, you know, transact on it was because the sellers were, you know, looking to save, you know, quote unquote, save a broker fee, right? Mm, so in their eyes, like if they can, they want, you know, X amount, and then they have to subtract a broker's commission, then they're, they're netting, you know, Y, right? And so, you know, and for us, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to offer you X, you know, today, right? And so, you know, on the larger deals, you're, of course, there's going to be a commission fee, but, you know, I, I think it's well worth it if you're a seller, right? Because you can, they, those guys are, are, they know what they're doing. They can maximize the price for you. So, sure. Mm-hmm. Are you finding, and you said you, you closed mm-hmm. another smaller deal recently with that, you know, letter direct mail. Are you finding this that still works? I mean, that's still something that I mean, are you as a seller or owner, I should say, as an owner, are you getting still like direct mail coming to you from people trying to buy the properties? 
No, so so we only have that one smaller deal, and we don't necessarily get an email gotcha. unless unless they're sending it somewhere else that I'm not seeing. <laughs> and, and all the larger deals, you know, we don't get those direct mails. Larger deals, it's, mm. it's brokers that will reach out from time to time, and and just you know offering a, a broker opinion opinion right. value. But yes, I would say yes, it works. There's a couple other deals that we're actually you know in working on. You know, I mean, there's you know phases, right? But and it was through direct mail and it was through direct phone calls that, you know, you know, the relationship was, or I wouldn't say the relationship, but it was the rapport that was able to build, right? Right. And the trust, right? So, you know, there's a couple of deals that we're working on that are smaller that, that would be, you know, more for family. So, yes, it, it definitely works. You got to have a system in place to be able to, you know, launch and be consistent with. That's amazing. So you mentioned that you have a couple of smaller deals and other deals you're working on for your family, meaning as opposed to the other types of deals that you do typically are syndications, right? Where you're dealing with a lot of investors on these smaller deals, you're not bringing on investors, correct? It's just for your own wealth preservation. That is correct. Yeah. It's, you know, obviously the syndications, you know, those are fun. I enjoy doing those and, you know, but they also come with you know, more responsibility, right? Because you're raising, you know, tens of millions of dollars. And so you have investor capital, you know, at work and you're responsible for it, which is great, right? And, you know, the other side of it is that, you know, there's potentially multiple partners that are involved, right? Right. Um, So even though it's a larger deal, your percentage could be smaller, right? And so on some of these smaller deals, I mean, you know, even though they are smaller, I mean, you're 100%, you know, on it. And so, you know, that 100% of a smaller deal can can be larger, right? Sometimes. And so you hear people say, you know, hey, you know, I'd rather have a small piece of a watermelon versus, you know, 100% of a grape, right? And that's very, very true. And I believe that that's why I do syndications and, and larger deals. But at the same time, you know, there are some opportunities where the grapes are are pretty large too. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so don't be afraid of them is what I'm saying, right? Especially if it's, you know, within a driving distance for, um, for oversight. That's great. And so I, I assume that's what you're doing, right? You're focused more on the local properties and you're in Houston, right? In the Houston area? Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. So there's, I mean, it's a huge growing market. There's a lot of potential out there. And I'm sure there are a lot of deals that wouldn't, you know, kind of fly under the radar when you're talking about institutional and the larger players are looking at hundred plus units, right? Or, you know, at least 80 plus units. So when you talk about the smaller type deals, like what size deals are you looking at there? Yeah. So, so we're looking at anywhere from like 20 to 70 units, you know, as a you know personal side. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, from like 75 to 100, you know, where we don't necessarily look at that. Number one, because it's larger for us, right? You know, it's just going to take more capital, more equity. And then they're a little too small for like syndication side, right? And so we're looking for a little bit more scale. You know, obviously 100 units and above is it's good, but, you know, ideally, you know, 150 units and above would be, you know, the right, the right size for syndication. Yeah, for sure. And especially, I mean, in Texas, especially those growing markets like Austin and Dallas and Houston, where you, where you own, you know, these prices have just gone up so much over the past few years. And so the value of these properties, you're talking about a hundred unit deal. I mean, that could be $30 million, right? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, it's been crazy even here, as we said, you know, through 2022, you know, there's, you know, interest rates that are increasing. So, you know, really what is happening out there is on some of the deals, not hundred percent across, but some of the deals, you know, cap rates are expanding, you know, to a point, but, you know, because the interest rates are high, even on the consumer side, you know, for buying a home, buying a house, mm-hmm. you know, it's causing a lot of these, you know, potential homeowners to, you know, stay as a renter or, you know, have to be a renter. And so that in itself is, is causing more rent growth and really, you know, pricing, as you mentioned, going back to pricing, you know, even though cap rates, 
know, could expand a little bit. I mean, rent growth is at an all-time high, right? So it's really keeping keeping the prices there to a point, right? But yeah, you are 100% right. I mean, Houston, Dallas, Austin, you know, San Antonio, I mean, these are excellent markets to be in. And that's why we're, you know, we feel, you know, fortunate to actually be here and be local to these markets. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge advantage because people are coming from all over the country to buy in these markets because the rent growth and, you know, the population growth, job growth, these are growing markets. You have people coming from California, from New York, everywhere, trying to invest and own in these areas. So you have quite an advantage that you're local. And I mean, what what are some of the advantages that you see being local to some of these some of these markets? Yeah. So every single one of these markets, I mean, I definitely consider them local because like, for example, Dallas, I can fly there, drive there, you know, right. San Antonio, Austin, I can fly there, drive there, you know, being in Houston, you know, and what I like about, you know, Texas, you know, specifically when it comes to multifamily is that we're a business friendly state, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, our governor, our politics, it makes it to where, you know, we attract more business and not just you know, your everyday, you know, smaller company. I mean, we're talking about larger companies, you know, coming into Houston, coming to Dallas, right. coming into Austin, you know, that make headline news all day long, right? And so, you know, as a result of that, you know, you're having population growth, right? As a result of that, you're having rent growth. And so it just, it bodes well. It's a good formula for us in, in the multifamily space. And yes, you know, we have a little bit of headwinds with the interest rate environment that, that's going on right now, a little bit of volatility there, but, you know, it can weather the storm, and get on the other side, get through on the other side, you know, I think, you know, folks will, will be in a very, very good spot, you know, coming in a couple of years, right? And just multiple different, you know, fundamentals here in Texas that make it very, very exciting. So, I mean, I assume you're still pretty active in the acquisition phase. I mean, regardless of, you know, the, all the interest rate hikes that have been going on and things going on. I mean, is that accurate? You've been in this space for, you know, what, five, six, seven years, in the multifamily space. So you've seen the growth that has happened, you know, the exponential growth that's happened over these years. I mean, what do you see now differently than has been in the past? Well, I do see that here in, over the last, you know, six, you know, call it six, seven, eight months, there has been a little bit of a slowdown in the number of buyers. Let me rephrase that. Less buyers out there in the market mm-hmm. looking. And it's because the volatility, right? So your typical institutional investors, I mean, those guys are likely sitting on the sidelines. And so that's a good formula for guys like me, our groups like us, to where, you know, hey, look, you know, these guys, we don't have to compete with these guys because, you know, it's tough to win deals against these guys, but that gives us the opportunity to, to go in there and, you know, have the best advantage as possible. And so that's one thing that we're seeing for sure. You know, we're still seeing a little bit of a gap, you know, between pricing, you know, in terms of what a seller expects to get versus what a buyer is expecting to pay. There's still a little bit of a gap, but I think that gap is decreasing as time goes on. You know, a lot of the sellers are starting to realize that, you know, you know, the pricing I was I could have gotten in 2021 is not reality anymore. So I need to reset my expectation and you know, take into account the current environment and the current risk that you know buyers can take on, you know, because you know, as a side point, I mean there's been a lot of retrades going on with lenders as well, right? So that's definitely a risk. But yeah, so you know. We are still actively pursuing opportunities. They're not as easily done, you know, like they were last year, right? Where everybody was just throwing debt at you and everything yeah. was just making a lot of sense. And except for the cap rates, right? <laughs> you know, three cats, you know, sub three cats that we're seeing there for a while. We just knew that was a recipe for, for it wasn't disaster. Gonna last, yeah. It wasn't, wasn't going to last. last. Yeah, it was not going to last. So a lot of crazy things going on in, in 2022. Well, we'll see how it goes. I've seen... 
you know, as you said, there has been a little bit of a slowdown in terms of the volume of transactions, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but still people making deals, you know, people looking for deals and making deals happen regardless, figuring out ways to do it, whether through creative financing or seller financing, or as I mentioned earlier, you know, carrying the note, something like that, where you could just, you know, assume the debt from the previous owner, which comes with its own risk, but right now seemed like it could be a good option. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. If you have the opportunity to be able to be creative in this environment, which I'm seeing that more and more as well, right? To where, you know, owners are open to that. And mm -hmm. and really that it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be your smaller deals where they're more open to that because you know, those are deals where it's just a mom and pop, you know, type of owner, and maybe they have long-term debt or or you know, they could be a little bit more creative or or it's, it's paid off, you know, free and clear. But also in 2022, I mean, this is our last year for 100% bonus appreciation, right? And so it's one thing to understand for folks out there, right? To, you know, yes, it's, you know, you want to make sure that you're checking the box on any particular deal, but mm -hmm. also if you can and it checks the boxes for you, then don't be afraid to jump in because, I mean, this is your your last year for 100% and the next year is supposed to go to 80%. And you know more about that, do right? And, <laughs> and doing cost segregation studies and all that good stuff, right? But, you know, yes, that's very, very beneficial for folks out there. And so I would say take advantage of it if a deal checks the boxes for you and don't invest in, in a deal just for the sake of, you know, getting tax benefits, right? It's got to make sense for you, right? Sure. 100% first. And then that just added a bonus to it. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I always say that. Make sure the deal works. Make sure the deal makes sense from all the other perspectives. And then, you know, the icing on the cake is always the tax benefits that come along with it. Exactly. Exactly. 100% agree. So tell me, I mean, what's kind of your, what do you enjoy most about the real estate investing? I mean, what is it that has kept you in this space for so long? I enjoy that every single day is different, right? Every single day is different. Like, you know, for example, like we're both in the real estate space, you know, in, in one way, shape or form, right? But, you know, here we are talking right today, you know, via Zoom, I'm talking to Yona here today, right? And tomorrow, you know, I'll be talking to, you know, somebody else, but you know, it's always, you know, different situations and, you know, it's not the same thing every single day, you know, it just simply stated, right? So I enjoy that. I enjoy, you know, getting out there and, and meeting people and putting deals together. I mean, it's just it's fun. The excitement that you get, you know, from the start to the end, it's, right. it's really amazing. So yeah, it's just a lot of things that go on every single day that make it exciting. It's not the same thing. It's, it does, That would be pretty boring to me if, <laughs> if it were. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, I think there's plenty of plenty of spaces out there, you know, industries where you kind of have a change up of environment, but the real mm -hmm. estate game is fun because I mean, you're doing so many different things. You can be wearing so many different hats in the real estate game. I mean, from acquisitions to investor relations to raising capital to, you know, the actual asset management. Mm -hmm. You're doing a lot of different things. Is there any one particular area that you enjoy of those that I listed more than anything else? Because I know uh, you do a lot of everything. Yeah, I do a lot of everything. You're right. I enjoy the investor relations and I enjoy the upfront with acquisitions. You know, those two are fun. Asset management, I enjoy it as well. But, you know, if I had to pick one, I would say it's investor relations or you know, acquisitions. I mean, those are fun. Yeah, keeps you busy. Keeps you busy. That's for sure. Keep the deals mm -hmm. coming. Awesome. Well, Juan, I want to transition now. We call the final four. These are four questions I okay. ask to all my guests. First one for you is what is... The worst job that you ever had? I would say the worst job I ever had <clears throat> was my very first job, actually, and that was on Subway. I used to work at Subway, like the sandwich, right? Sandwich shop. I think I lasted like like a week or so. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe a couple of weeks, but that was my very first job and it was fun, but just I just couldn't do it, you know? So that's it. Yeah. You didn't 
you weren't able to make the sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't good at making sandwiches. <laughs> So to this day, I don't really eat sandwiches much. <laughs> oh man, no! When you said subway, I thought you meant like you were, you know, the underground train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. No, we had Lawrence Laddie. Lawrence, he's a great friend, and he used to come to our virtual Wednesday night virtual meetup every week. And he worked in the MTA, the subway uh-huh. in New York. Like literally, he was a train operator, and he would be calling in from his phone operating trains, you know, doing <laughs> to our meetup. So, you know, whenever I hear subway. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, if you're like in the, in the Northeast, right, you live anywhere like near New York or whatever, right? I mean, that's what you would think. That's probably the first thing that comes to mind when you think of subway, right? Not like the, the sandwich the shop, right? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so second question, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? You know, I mean, there's a ton of great books out there, you know, and so it's hard to, to pick just one, right? Because many have really made an impact. But one of my favorite books out there, that's not your typical book that you would like here, is The Slight Edge. And I don't remember the name of the author, but The Slight Edge. And it's just like doing something every single day, you know, just you know, improving just 1%, improving an inch. And that could really, really eventually take you to, to new heights. And, you know, there's a lot of awesome books out there, Yeah, but that was one that I read, you know, several years ago that really made a pretty big impact. And I use that to really push myself every single day. When you don't feel like doing things, you keep, you do it anyway, you know? Yeah. And you move 100%. forward. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So we'll make sure to put that in the show notes, the slight edge and just looked it up over here by Jeff Olson. So we'll yes. put that into the show notes. If anyone wants to check out the slight edge, sounds like an interesting book, you know, just kind of helping you push a little bit of edge, a little bit that pushing you to the next mm-hmm. uh, next level. Third question, and this you can take any which way you want, which is what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? You know, I'll keep it simple. You know, golf, you know, golf. Like I took a couple classes and, you know, hired a coach and I'm still pretty terrible at it. And just, it's just my swing, you know, I, I will get up there and swing and a miss. And, and it's just like, you know, if you want to have fun with the buddies, you know, get out there, you have to learn golf, man. Like, you know, just simply stated, right. You you know, you get invited, you know, you can't just say, Hey, no, I have other plans or I can't do it. you like, you got to show up. Right. And you know, you have to at least know how to swing. And so that's one thing I would say, just simply, you know, just better at golf. You know, that, there you that's go. what I would say. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, good for you. Good luck at that. Actually, <laughs> I played a little golf in high school, actually little known fact that I was on a high school golf team. Wasn't really nice. great at it, but literally did not pick up a club for over 20 years until a few weeks ago, actually a couple of months ago, I was, there was a golf, there was an event, a networking event and at a golf course and at a golf, you know, what do you call it? Like a clubhouse, whatever it was. Anyways, mm-hmm. I went and with a friend of mine who was going to the real estate networking event. Also, we decided, oh, let's go, let's play some rounds, you know, before the event. And I literally picked up, I literally missed like every single <laughs> swing it was horrible. You know, <laughs> I was so bad. Yeah. I threw in the towel. I was like, okay, five holes. That's it. We're finished. <laughs> five. Yeah. No, that's, and that's exactly how, how I feel. Right. Like whenever I get up there, I'm like, man, this is like, I don't want to hold you guys up. And it's like, you know, there's people like behind us waiting. It's like, man, let's just get this thing moving. Right. And let's stop counting. Like I'm not counting. I'm just hitting this thing. Right. Just hit it. Yeah. So it's fun. It's fun though. It can be fun, right? Like any game, right? It's fun if you're good at it, you know? You're right. That couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, that's yeah, that's 100% right on. Well, fourth and final question, Juan, what does success mean to you? 
Yeah, you know, success to me means having the the freedom and the time and the ability, you know, to have you know flexibility in, just in life in general, right? Just spend time with family, be able to you know give back, you know. So I think success, you know, really it entails, you know, it involves everything, right? You know, having good health, having you know a good spiritual time and values and family, it's just the whole package, right? That's success. Awesome. Yeah, being well balanced, making sure that it's all all coming together and for the right purpose. So. Good for you. Keep it going. Wishing you much continued success in what you're doing with Gen Wealth Capital. It's amazing to see the journey that you've gone on over the past few years also. And pleasure to speak with you today. Where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? Yeah, sure. No, thank you so much. Yeah, they can reach out and you know just send me an email at Juan at GenWealthCapital.com, Juan at GenWealthCapital.com. Or you, know, you can reach out to me Connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. And for Twitter, it's at the Juan Vargas as my Twitter handle. So, you know, happy to connect anywhere and reach out if you have any questions or if I can assist any way I can, I'll be happy to do so. And thank you so much for for the opportunity. You know, it was fun and it was a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. This has been great. I appreciate you coming on the show. And to our listeners, thank you guys for joining once again, all the way until the end. Remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.